Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. us. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord tonight. Thank you for being here. Oh yeah, I will address, I will just mention, I know you probably noticed it looks a little different in here. Does it look a little different? So we've, we have these sound panels and we're going to just, we're, we're going to just try them out for a couple of weeks. I know it looks a little bit different. So uh, we'll give it a couple of weeks to decide they're not necessarily permanent, but we're going to see how they work. And uh, so we're yet to make that decision. So don't, don't, uh, don't, Send me hate mail just yet, all right? So just give us a few few weeks here and see uh, see what we think. Amen. We're going to get into the word of the Lord, and I want to thank you for being with us tonight. We're going to continue in our study in the parables. We are going to just, we're going to, we've been bouncing around a little bit. Um, we have looked at the parable in Mark chapter 4 of the four soils, or the parable of the sower, it is, as it is commonly referred to. Jesus tells us is the parable of parables. It is the key to unlocking and understanding not only the rest of the parables, but all of God's word. So we find here that Jesus is teaching about the conditions of our heart, right? Remember that parable? So there's the stony ground. There is the ground with thorns and thistles. There is the ground that is upon the pathway. And then there is that good ground, that prepared ground that is able to receive the, the seed of God's word that produces good fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And Jesus is giving us that parable to get us to recognize that how our heart receives God's word is ultimately going to determine on the fruit that we bear in the kingdom of God, that our spiritual livelihood and well-being directly connected to how we hear and receive and perceive God's word. And so we, we move forward and we looked at Luke chapter 15, so we went to Mark 4 to Luke chapter 15, and we, we took a look at the parable of the prodigal son, and we talked about how the prodigal son was just like each and every one of us, that we all have those prodigal proclivities, amen, and at one time or another, we have left the father's house, and we have strayed, and we have, we have walked away, and we have we have taken our inheritance and we have turned our back on God. But here was this wonderful story, this wonderful demonstration of our loving Heavenly Father that receives us and redeems us and restores us. So then we took a look last week at these two parables of about prayer. And we see that there's different types of parables all throughout the Word of God. There's some believe some 30 to 50, even up to 120 different parables, depending on how you categorize and define a parable. Just for just sake of our study, we'll remind us that a parable is simply just a, a it's a simple story that, that contains a kingdom truth. And when Jesus tells these parables, more than just sharing an explicit truth or an or a explicit statement, he tells a story to provide a narrative for us to be able to see things the way God wants us to see them. More than just our limited perspective, our human perspective, our self-centered oftentimes perspective. Jesus gives us these parables so that we can see life, the kingdom of God, and understand spiritual truth through God's perspective. And last week we talked about prayer. We talked about the, 
the, the, the prayer of that, of that woman who through her persistence, that widow woman through who her persistence kept on pursuing that judge. And even though he didn't fear God and even though he didn't, he didn't respect men, that even that because she was persistent, he ultimately, uh, he ultimately gave her what she desired. And so too in prayer also. Sometimes we've got to be persistent. We've got to keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. And if, and if some wicked judge will... will, will provide the need for this widow woman, then so how much more will God provide our needs if we will stay consistent and persistent in prayer? Then also that, that story, that parable of the importunity, that man that showed up at his neighbor's house in the middle of the night was knocking on the door and his neighbor, his friend, even though he didn't want to get out of bed because he was his friend, he gave it to him because of his importunity, because of his, because of his urgency. And we learned a, a, two powerful principles about prayer that that sometimes that, that, that prayer is, is, uh, is a long-standing prayer, and sometimes prayer is urgent. But despite the timing of your need and your request, that God is faithful to answer our prayers. We've got to just keep on knocking, keep on seeking, keep on asking. And even sometimes God knows that you need a prayer answered now, and He's the God of both the prayer now and the prayer later. But now we're going to bounce back. I want you to share something with you here tonight. I want to kind of bounce back to Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at different types of parables here. But I just was praying this week, and I had an opportunity to sit in. I, I was praying this week and just felt the Lord just kind of lead me back to this, this first part of a, uh, this, this, one of these early parables in Luke chapter 15, right before the parable of the prodigal son. And it's a parable of a woman who has lost her coin. A woman that has ten coins, and she's lost it. I want to just kind of take a look at this tonight. And Jesus tells the story in Luke chapter 15. He says, Or what woman having ten silver coins, she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully or diligently until she finds it. Jesus is telling the story. And when she has found it, that missing coin, that one thing, that one piece of the of the collective. She calls her friends and her neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found that peace which I hath lost. Amen. And likewise I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over, over one sinner who repents. Amen. Amen. And so this is a parable that Jesus tells, we're going to look at tonight, of a woman and her silver coin. And if we recall in the book that I shared with you early on in our, in our study, this book called Speaking Parables by David Butrick, he gives us kind of a framework for how we are to approach the parables. And he says that there's three things that you've got to uncover in each and every one of these, of these kingdom stories or these parable stories. Number one, you've got to understand the context. What is going on when Jesus is telling the story? What is, what is motivating Jesus to tell this particular parable? What is going on around him? What is happening in the, in the context of the story that would cause Jesus to want to respond with this particular parable? Secondly, you've got you to determine who the characters are. And if we're honest with ourselves, and if we read the parables correctly, we will realize that these parables, 
that in each and every one of these parables that we can identify ourselves, that somewhere in the parable we will find where we are in the story, in the narrative, in God's telling, in God's, in God's, uh, in God's truth, that in the kingdom story that Jesus is telling, that we oftentimes find ourselves in the middle of the parable. And we've got to locate who the characters are, identify who they are, so that we can understand fully and wholly what Jesus is trying to communicate. And finally, we got to figure out where the tension is. Where's the where's that curious thing? Where's that tension? Where does the the narrative break down? Where is the relationship strained? What is the thing that seems a little bit out of ordinary or a little bit out of place so that from that we can identify what is so extraordinary about the grace of God. In other words, what can we learn? What is the lesson? What is the application? for our life. And so we find this story in Luke chapter 15. It is part of three parables, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, that Jesus tells in this chapter of Luke that Jesus tells to, to make a, to, to drive home a point to these religious Pharisees, to these spiritual leaders, these rulers called the Pharisees, who were the priests or who were the the heads of the, of the synagogues of those days. And he's telling three stories to drive home a very important point. And we find the context at the beginning of this chapter, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, when it says, Then all of the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him teach. So Jesus was gathering crowds. And he was not just gathering the religious types or the folks that had it all together, spiritually speaking, but he was, he was gathering some tax collectors, some sinners, some, some people who are outside of the favor of the religious establishment of those days. And as a result of this, some of the Pharisees and the scribes started taking note and they started questioning and criticizing Jesus, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He's fellowshipping with, with people that we don't fellowship. He's hanging out with people that we don't hang out with. And so Jesus responds to their criticisms and their critiques. And he says, he begins to tell them three parables. And I won't rehearse at all. He know, we know the parables. He tells the story of the shepherd that lost his sheep, who leaves the 99 to go seek after that one. He tells this parable of the prodigal son, the father who, who stays on his porch as his son is out just living in riotous, sinful living. And he, then he tells in the middle of these two other stories, the story that we read tonight, a story of a woman that has lost her coin. And I want to focus on this tonight. I just feel inspired and just led through prayer to just look at this story here tonight. And in doing so, I want us to examine a little bit about the context that Jesus is, is, is dealing with, the context of this particular parable, right? So that's what we'll do. We'll look at the context. I want us to understand something about this. And that is, as Jesus is telling these three stories, he's talking about the fact that he has come to redeem that which was lost. But what is interesting about this particular parable in Luke chapter 15 of this woman that has lost her silver coin, that unlike the other two parables that are surrounding this, this specific parable, whereas like the shepherd who goes after the sheep, that some people are lost because they, they wander off, that they're like sheep, that we like sheep go astray. Amen. Isn't that what the book of Isaiah says? Isn't that what Paul said in Romans? We like sheep have all gone astray. 
that sometimes in our own simplicity, sometimes in our own temptation, sometimes in our own stubbornness, sometimes in our own foolishness, we just wander off, we get caught up into things, we, we stray from the path, we get cut off from the crowd, from the, from, the, from the congregation or from the fold, and we find ourselves in situations and seasons that we just shouldn't be in, and we find ourselves lost or cut off from the flock. We've lost contact with the shepherd. We don't know how to get back. There are sometimes, some seasons, some believers that find themselves having get caught up in things in this world and in entanglements of this world. We don't know how we got there. Maybe we never intended to, whether foolishness or otherwise. We just find ourselves in a place that we don't know how to get back. And in those seasons and in those situations, God is like that shepherd that leaves the 99 righteous, the congregation, the church, and he goes on a mission to reach and to seek after that person whose heart has wandered far from God. But that's the heart of our Father. That's the heart of the Lord. He's a good shepherd. And when we stray and when we wander off, sometimes we get into things that we don't mean to get into, but nevertheless we get into them anyway. But God by His Spirit, God by His mercy, God by His love, God, by life-giving relationships, will begin to reach for us and convict us and draw us and bring us back to the fold. Amen? Amen. And then in that last parable in Luke chapter 15, we find, we find that story of the prodigal son. And unlike the shepherd that goes chasing after the sheep, we find in this particular story that we looked at a couple weeks ago, the father doesn't go chasing after that son. Father doesn't leave the home. He doesn't change his values, his principles, or his convictions. He stays where he is. The Bible says he stays on his porch looking out for that day that his son will return. And we looked at that. The reason that father does not leave where he is, does not compromise who he is, is because this particular parable paints the story of a person, of a son that has grown up in the house, knows the difference between right and wrong, knows that what he's doing is something that he should not be doing, knows that where he is going is a place that he should not go and in this instance the father does not go chasing after the son because he knows this son needs to learn some lessons the hard way God's grace will let us go sometimes in hopes that we can grow there's some things that another sermon another scripture another Sunday school lesson is not going to teach us because we already know the difference between right and wrong we already know the difference between the truth and a lie and sometimes we make our own mind up to to wander off to go out into riotous living outside of the Father's house, outside of His will, His grace, and His provision. And God says, listen, I know sometimes I'm going to be like that shepherd that's going to go looking for you, but other times I'm going to be like the Father that just stays put, stays in the house, because you ultimately know how to get back. Sometimes that's how we have to be with loved ones in our life. There's some people that they know what they should do. They know they're not living right. They know they're not living in God's will and God's grace and God's purpose. And, and you're just going to push them away. You're just going to run them off. You've got to just love them and stay put, stay true to your convictions and your beliefs. And just pray that one day their heart will be changed and they will make their way back to the house of God. Here in this middle parable, we find something a little different. We don't find a story of a person that has mistakenly wandered off through temptation or through their own foolishness. 
wandered off into sin, wandered off into worldliness. We don't find, or we also don't find a person who, by their own choice and their own stubbornness, has intentionally left. What we find in this middle parable, this parable of this woman who has lost her coin, is a parable of a story, or of a, is a truth about someone that has lost something inside of the house. This is applicable, applicable for us tonight. Because Jesus in this chapter is giving stories to prove a point that he is on a redemption mission to seek and to save that which is lost. And the assumption that these Pharisees or perhaps even ourselves sometime would make is that everything that is lost is lost outside of the house. Sometimes we have this self-righteous assumption or presumptive assumption that everything that needs finding is outside of the walls of the house. Jesus is only concerned about those who, like the sheep, have strayed away from the flock, or like that son has walked away from the house. But here Jesus is getting all up in our business tonight, Connection Point Church, because Jesus is challenging this assumption by the righteous and the faithful. And those who would listen, that you can not be lost while remaining in the house. It's a word for us tonight. And so let's take a look at this, this context. You pull that slide up. Context is that Jesus is challenging this notion, this belief, this idea, this thought that, that, that we can't, that we can be faithful to God, we can keep coming to church, that we can be showing up, that we can be going through the motions, that we could, we could be here Sunday and be here Wednesday or read our all, just whatever our kind of uh, idea of what it means to, to be a faithful Christian and somehow not lose our passion, our desire, our, our pursuit, our hunger for the things of God, that somehow it would be impossible for us to go through all the motions, do all the right things, and somehow not lose our relationship with Jesus Christ in the process. Jesus is saying, here's the deal, here's the reality. You can, you can be in church and be in your heart be just as far from God as that person that's living in all sorts of immorality and ungodliness. So he's challenging some assumptions that I think we all hold sometimes. And I think that these devout Pharisees hold that only sinners can be lost in God's sight. No. He's saying this woman never left the house. This woman didn't stray away. This didn't, woman didn't walk. She was always, she was remained in the house, and nevertheless, it was in the house that something of value was lost in the house. It wasn't stolen. It, 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 wasn't, it, didn't, it didn't walk away. It was in the house, but it's missing in the house. Let's take a look at something here in Revelation chapter 3. We carry this idea out a little bit more, and we find in the book of Revelation, we find that John... Uh, the, the Apostle John, this is the last book, one of the last books that has written. John is now, he was the youngest disciple. Now he's an old man and he is, he was, uh, <clears throat> he was imprisoned on the, on this island of Patmos. And, uh, and, and as he's in this imprisonment, all of a sudden he sees this revelation. Jesus comes to him some 60 years after the crucifixion. 
Jesus comes to him by way of a vision and begins giving him seven letters that he is to send out to these seven churches that are throughout Asia in that time. And these are letters that are, that are dictated by this vision that John receives of Jesus to speak to the current spiritual condition of these churches that are scattered throughout the, the, the world in those days. And we find in these seven letters, we did a study on this several years ago, but that in, in these letters that, that there's only one of these churches that Jesus does not have an area that they need to improve or address. That, that in each and every one of them, he gives a kind of a, 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 a summary of their current spiritual condition and begins to speak to things inside of the church that are present that he either sees that he, that he is... Um, that he is satisfied or pleased with, and then there are things that he is also not pleased with. But there is this one church, this church in Laodicea, that Jesus has nothing good to say. And it says this, the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things say the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. All right, Jesus is describing himself. There's a lot here. I don't have time. He says, I know your works, all right? I want to just tell you, the Lord sees our life. The Lord sees our spiritual condition. Nothing is hidden from God. That you are neither hot nor cold. Jesus says this. He says, I wish you were hot or cold. So then because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, Jesus says, I will spew you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy, I have need of nothing. Get this. Here was the condition of their heart. They had insulated themselves with material things. They had, they had, they had uh, comforted themselves with external worldly comforts. And because of that, they didn't think they needed God. And do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus is saying, listen... On the outside, yeah, you've got everything that you need. You're comfortable. You're wealthy. You're satisfied. You've got everything you think you need. But I'm looking past your current uh, financial or external conditions. I'm looking to the condition of your heart and your spirit. And he says there's a great contrast. And so he says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with salve that you may see. As many as I love, get this, don't miss this, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous, passionate, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he will dine with me. Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I grant to sit with me on my throne as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. Finally, he who has an ear. Remember, where did we hear this in Mark chapter 4? He who has an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All right? And so what we find here is Jesus is, is speaking to this church in Laodicea, which, which shortly after this letter was written, eventually faded away and ceased to exist because of their apathy towards the things of God. And Jesus says, listen, I see that on the outside, you've got everything going on. You've got everything you need. You're comfortable. You're satisfied. Got everything that you think you need. You think you're rich. You think you're wealthy. You don't think you have any needs in your life. You're comfortable. You're apathetic. But he says, I see beyond just the external conditions and I see the condition of your heart. He was speaking to a church. 
He was speaking to the spirit and the attitude of his people. And he was saying, listen, I know, you're, I know you show up to church. I know you've got a church. I know you've got a congregation. I know you've got a building. I know you've got great facilities. I know you've got great music. I know you've got everything that just looks great on the outside. But the reality is I don't care so much about the outside as I do the condition of your heart and of our relationship. And Jesus is challenging an assumption that we can get sometimes as believers that we can just go through all the motions, we can do all the things, we can check all the boxes, we can show up and everything's going to be fine. But the reality is, is it's possible for you to never leave the house and still have some things missing in your life. And so this is the context, my friends. And so we go on here, as we see this context, Jesus is not talking to sinners. He's not talking to the immoral. He's not talking to the outsiders. He's talking to the church. Right? He says, because you're ri- you think you're rich, you don't realize actually you're spiritually poor. He's not just talking about material wealth. He's talking about a condition of the heart, an attitude. We can get so apathetic towards the things of God that we conflate just showing up, going through the motions, doing all the Christian stuff with an actual relationship with God. And God says that will never be an adequate substitute. Right? And so that's our context. Jesus is speaking to the church. Let's talk to the characters here for just a moment. Kind of bolster this point here. Really two characters here in the story. There's the, wim- there's, the, there's the woman, there's the silver coin, the ten coins, and then there's the house. Kind of looked at this, but I want to just dig in a little deeper here and help us to understand. This woman represents the church. All right. Take a look at this. We'll just move quickly here. Ephesians chapter five, verses 23 says, for the husband is the head of the wife. We see this illustration playing out. The church is represented as a woman. God is speaking to this this church. All right. For the husband is the head of the wife. Also, Christ is the head of the church. All right. He is the savior of the body. In other words, Christ is the head or the husband. The church is the bride. It's the wife. It's the feminine character or figure. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Come on. I'm preaching tonight. Husbands, love your wives. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to her himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives and their own bodies, and he who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, for no one has hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, so the Lord does the church. The church is the bride, for we are members of his body. So not only is the church the bride, but we are members of that bride. We are the bride of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father, his mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. The church represents the bride. It's, it's the feminine character. It's this woman here in this story. It's this woman that is, that is dwelling within the house. The house is the church, and the bride, uh, uh, the, the bride represents uh, you and I. And so we find here that we can take Revelation chapter 19. We'll take a look at this. Just emphasize this one more time. This is a great mystery. Uh, verse 9, chapter 19. Let us be glad and rejoice, give glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made himself ready. So time and time and time and time and time and time again throughout the word of God, the bride is indicative of the church. All right. So there's this woman here that we find that is within this house that all of a sudden notices that there's something missing. 
There's something of value that is missing. The scripture says it's the silver coin that is this one of ten pieces. That it's not just one. It's not just she didn't lose all of her coins, but there's just one thing missing in her life. There's this silver coin that is of value that is it's just not in place. That something isn't quite right. That that she's missing something. The Bible says it wasn't stolen from her. The Bible doesn't say that she she lost it outside of the house. She stayed in the house. She remained in the house, but yet something came up missing within the house. All right. What we find here is that this story is indicating that it is possible for us that while we are in the house, that just like that church in Laodicea, that we can stay in the house, do all the things, go through all the motions, but somehow something can come up missing in our spiritual life and our relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to tell you it's possible to come to church on Sunday, to come to church on Wednesday, but to lose your passion for prayer, to lose your passion for worship, to lose your passion for souls, to lose your passion for fellowship, to lose your passion for giving, to lose your passion for serving, to lose your passion for the things of God. I want to tell you it's possible for some things to turn up missing in the house. If we are not careful, like that other church that Jesus addresses in Revelation, the church of Ephesus, he says, I see your works, you got a lot of great things going on, but yet you've lost your first love. There's a piece of you that's not quite where it needs to be. It's missing. And I know you don't know where it is, but you've got to do some things to make sure that you are finding to get that Get that spiritual house back in order. You see, the reality is that silver coin represents a collective of qualities or characters or components of a fulfilled and healthy Christian life. In Scripture, the silver coin represents the character and the qualities that Christ, through His Spirit, will begin to produce in our life. I won't, I won't belabor the point, but let's take a look here in Isaiah real quick just so you can see this. You take a look at that scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter uh, 48, verse 10. The Bible says, behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. All right. I have tested you in a furnace of affliction. He said, in other words, <clears throat> that sometimes that as you walk with God and as you serve God and there's scriptures that compare the, the, the character of a Christian that has served God faithfully as silver that is refined in the furnace. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's some things that I have done in your life. There's some things I have perfected in your life. There are some things that I have brought, it through, brought you through and done in your life to produce a quality and a character that is desirable by me. That just like silver coins may be to this woman, so too the, the quality, the character, and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is like these silver coins. And sometimes in our walk, with God, if we're not careful, God will allow us to lose sight of some things long enough that we will get our house in order to find those things that are lacking. And that's the lesson that I find in this parable. And I believe that's the lesson that we need to be aware of tonight, that sometimes in our Christian walk, we can lose some things long enough that we need to recognize that there's something missing in my relationship with God. There's, some, there's something lacking. I'm lacking a passion. I'm lacking a commitment to prayer. I'm lacking fellowship with the body of Christ. I'm, I'm lacking something, but, but I can't just allow it to go missing forever. I've got to stop long enough. I've got to light a lamp. I've got to sweep my house. I've got to search diligently so that I can get my spiritual house in order and find that thing that is missing in my life. I want to tell you, it's not the will of God 
That you just go through the motions and have no passion for the Lord, have no passion for prayer, have no passion for worship, have no passion for service, have no passion for fellowship. If there's something missing in your life, it's not so that you can ignore it and just keep on keeping on and just forget acting like nothing's wrong. No, God wants you to stop what you're doing, to light a lamp and to sweep your house, to seek diligently until you get a hold of that thing that is lacking in your life. So that's what this woman did. I want to tell you, if we're not careful, we can just assume because we're faithful Christians or because we're spirit-filled believers or because we've heard some, we, we believe the right kind of doctrines and the right kind of truth that God's just always just going to put up with our apathy towards the things of God. I don't know if you saw this uh, this week, but it's making its rounds amidst of all the other craziness that's going on in our world. I'm telling I don't listen. I don't know what this world has gone crazy. We got UFOs getting shot down by fighter planes. We got trains spilling chemicals all over the Midwest. We got just just crazy stuff going on. And I don't know. Someone sent this to me today. I'm not telling you to go search for it, but this is a little too weird for me. There was a there was a show on Netflix. I'd never heard of it, apparently. The whole premise of this, of this show, this movie that was released on Netflix in 2021, is about a train that, that derails in a town in Ohio, spilling chemicals all over this community, and the government tells them that they're safe, only to realize that it's toxic and they're all going to die. I'm not trying to be conspiracy theorists, but this is, this, is just this is just crazy to me. There's all these little subtle little lines in the trailer. If you watch the trailer, it's really kind of weird. I mean, it's just almost like you're just like, I don't know if it's art imitating reality or they're just condition being conditioned for some. I don't know. It's, you make up your own mind, but it's a crazy world. But nevertheless, in the midst of all of this, sorry, I really got off track. There's a story about this. This seminary in Kentucky is Asbury Seminary. Has anyone seen this? This revival of Asbury Seminary. And what it is, is it's a, it's a denominal, it is a denominal, um, uh, uh, I believe it's a Presbyterian seminary. And I'm telling you, I'm, I'm familiar with this particular seminary. I've known people that have gone there. Um, it is not a spirit-filled environment by any means. Let me just tell you that. But these are these are young people that are going there to get trained to to learn the Bible to get a formal training of the Scriptures, and all they don't they don't have the full truth they don't have, you know, the Spirit of God the presence of God. I want to tell you something has been happening in this in this seminary over the past week, and you can find this if it, is it not pulling up? Try to double click it. And essentially, what's been going on is. They had this chapel service. It was a student-led chapel. Here it is. It was a student-led chapel. And at the end of the chapel service, they just had like a little, just a small little band of student of members. And it was, in, and, and they just were playing worship songs. And one of them, they had a testimony or a sermon. And they had a kind of an altar call at the end. And we're, talk, we're talking about a very, just very formal religious environment. These are not like Pentecostals or Charismatics or Apostolic. Th this, these people are... Very formal, right? And and there was such just a move of the spirit, a drawing of the Lord, according to people who were there, that the students just came forward and they were there for 
longer than typical. They were just praying in the altar like what you're saying, and it turned into an hour and two hours and three hours and four hours, and they were just there. This God was moving, and they just began just, 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 just crying out for God and pouring their hearts out and just seeking after God and worshiping and praying and praying for each other. And it's been going on for almost a week. They haven't left. They're sleeping there. Their people are coming from all over the world and all over the country. I mean, there was pictures, images of just thousands of people outside of the doors of this of this college chapel. And 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 people are testifying, they're worshiping. It's like around the clock, just seeking after God in prayer and in worship. And they're saying people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit and people are coming to the Lord and repenting and God is just doing all these incredible things. And what that spoke to me is, is that God is going to have a people that are going to be hunger and thirsty after the things of God, whether it's in a formal setting of a spirit filled church or supposedly, or it's going to be some group of Gen Z millennials that are in a formal Bible college. He's just looking for a people that are hungry and passionate for the things of God. And if we're going to be so just hard in our heart and think that we can just go through life and just missing all these spiritual qualities that God desires, like passion and desire and prayer and worship and faithfulness and commitment, if we're just content to just have our coins spread out all over our house because we can't get our spiritual house in order, God's going to go to someone else. God's going to go to another people. God's going to find, be found by people who are hungry and seeking after him. Amen? We've got to get our house in order. And so the lesson that we find here is simply this, that sometimes God allows us to lose some things long enough in order for us to stop, to light a lamp, and to sweep the house. I want to give you 10 things here, and I know this is not, I could give you Bible verses here, but I think this is very practical. Um, I was in a pastor's meeting this week, and it w I was very honored to be there, and it was a group of pastors, um, very successful pastors, and just very strong churches, but one of the leaders um, was going through just his own personal, what he calls, and I'll be quick here, his own, what he calls just uh, uh, dashboard, his personal dashboard, and he gave 10 things, and as I was putting the lesson together, I wasn't going to do this, but I just, you know what, this, it just spoke to me personally, and his list was 10, and this coin, the, the, the coins, there was 10 coins, and so you know what, I'm going to try to just make this apply here, but I think this is good. These are 10 coins for spiritual well-being, and I think not all this is spiritual, but what I have found is, is in order to be a healthy Christian, you got to be a healthy person, right? Sometimes, for sure, and so these are just 10 dashboards that this, and I've heard this before, but I think it's something that we all need to, all can think about here a little bit, but, you know, notice here that when this woman who represents the church, who by extension represents us, faithful people, people in the house who lose something in the life, she didn't just keep on going. She stopped. She turned on a light. She swept her house and she searched diligently. What that speaks to me is that when we realize there's something missing, that we need to just, we need to take some time to slow down, light a lamp. You know, the Bible says that God's word is a lamp unto our feet. We need to get back in the word of God. We need to get back into prayer, back into spiritual disciplines. To begin searching and sweeping our life to get our house back in order. And I think there's 10 areas of our life that we need to make sure that we have in order, so to speak. The first one is our spiritual life. 
And the questions are the things that we need to kind of just ask ourselves, what is my devotional time like? How often am I, am I reading my Bible? Have I been praying about the issues in my life or have I been trying to work on them by myself? What is God saying to me at this time? Could I say, follow me as I follow Christ? Or are there any sin issues that I need to repent of? What is the condition of our spiritual devotion? Are we praying? Are we reading the word of God? Are we, are we allowing ourselves to let God work in the, in the situations of our life and in our heart? The next one is what we'll call our marriage or even our single life by extension. Is there, and this is the dashboard where we, where we have to ask, is there a clear communication about kids and schedules and frustrations and money? Have I been keeping date nights? Is there daily face-to-face -face time and communication? Is there, is there weekly shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder time? All right, have I been focused on having my needs met or meeting my spouse's needs? How could I be a better spouse? How's the condition of our, of our relationship, of our marriage? If we're single, how am I seeking Jesus first as the one? Am I looking for things in the opposite uh, 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 gender that, I only, that only Jesus can provide? Am I expecting other things of people that only God can provide for me? Have I been maintained biblical standards for purity in my life? Am I trusting God for my future spouse? Or is dating preoccupying more of my energy than it should? Are there steps I need to take towards my preferred future? And so what is the condition of our, of our relationships, of our Marriage and, and single life. Furthermore, family life is a third area, a third coin that we need to make sure we're not losing sight of. This is where we need to ask ourselves, would my family say I'm on the phone too much? Am I home at least four nights a week or just whatever? Are, are we home enough? Am I, have I kept uh, dad night or guy night or mommy night? Are, are things with each, how are things with my kids? Are they showing signs of needing attention? Is there time off away from scheduled events to, to just focus on family, on, on, on each other? What is the condition of our family life? Furthermore, educational life. What am I reading right now? What am I doing to, 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 to fuel my thoughts and my mind? Am I just focusing on negative things and divisive things? Is there any area professionally, personally that I need to learn more about? Is there something that I've learned in the th past 30 days that I didn't know? Am I learning? Am I growing as an individual? What is my educational life? I'm not talking about going back to college or going back to school. I'm just, what am I doing to feed my thought life? Furthermore, professionally, how's my schedule working? Are there things that I'm doing that somebody else could do? Have I been a drain on anyone at work? Have I been negative, gossipy, or complaining? Is there anyone at work I need to invest more time in? Have I been staying too late, or am I producing at the level that I'm capable of? What is the condition of my professional life? Ministry life. <clears throat> am I investing in the things that have eternal impact? How am I making my local church better? What is the next level of leadership at my church look like or where where do I need to be involved next who am I discipling personally what life-giving stories have come from my service in the kingdom of God over the past month or year or three years what am I doing to impact the kingdom what is what is the condition of my personal ministry and I want to tell you, you don't have to be a preacher or a pastor or have a paid position in a church to have a ministry furthermore financially am I tithing do I have a clear written monthly budget does my spouse know what the budget is? Do I have a S, an, emer, an emergency fund? Have I prioritized paying off debt? Am I saving for retirement? Do I have a clear financial plan? Do I plan to pay for vacations, birthdays, Christmas, back to school, etc.? Am I, am I in a healthy place financially? Furthermore, socially. 
another coin that we, we can't lose sight of. Am I having fun? Am I hanging out with people who fill my tank? Have I spent time on my hobbies or doing things I enjoy? Is there anyone I've neglected to spend time with? Are my social circles fueling my faith or leading me towards where I want to go in life? What is the condition of my social life? Is it glorifying to God or is it draining me spiritually? Here's another we'll call attitudinal life or just our mental health. Do I feel at peace? Am I easily frustrated, irritated, or angered? Do I smile enough? Amen. Am I having conversations with people in my head? If so, do I need to give those conversations to God or do I need to have a real conversation? That pastor said this. I thought that is so good. What are the conversations taking place in my head on a reoccurring basis? And, and, and if there is a reoccurring conversation, is that a conversation I need to have with the Lord or is it a conversation I need to have with somebody else? What time of day am I most likely to be grumpy? Are there any rough edges that need to be sanded down? Oh, Lord, I feel condemned already. Finally, physically, right? <clears throat> How are my sleeping habits? How are my exercise habits? How are my eating habits? Is there anything I need to go to the doctor about? What is my body telling me right now? Have I been taking care of my, myself? What's, our phys what's my physical condition? So these are all just coins in our life that we have to steward and I think the point of this parable certainly is a spiritual principle that spiritually we can be in the church and, and be just as lost or far from God as people outside of the church. That's the big condition. But even when we dig down, drill down a little bit deeper, what the parable is teaching us is that when we realize in going through the motions and doing all the right things, that there's something lacking in our spiritual or our personal life that we don't just keep on keep it on, to just ignore it, forget it, plow through it, that we need to take time and we need to turn on the lamp, get in the Word of God, pray, seek counsel, sweep the house, get our things back in order so that we can find that thing that is lacking in our life. The Lord says, the Bible says, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Hope that helps. You know, uh, pulled the board this. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for our, our board. We need to really just pray for Dan and pray for Leanne. There's a lot going on. But I shared this with not many people, but I would say about 2018-ish. Been pastoring for about five years, working a job, young kids. You just, I just got to a point where I was just literally, I would say, burnout. I was I was I was burning out, and uh, I didn't even really realize it to the extent at the time. But it just like it was just life was so overwhelming. There was so much to do every single day, every single week. I was in over my head, and I just realized I just got to a point where I just felt like if I'm gonna just just to even exist is gonna require me to live just to just live overwhelmed for this season and for the foreseeable future and so I just kind of put up with it finally I got a call from a friend named Reggie McLaurin who's a minister at um, the Sanctuary Church in Columbus and uh, just incredible person soul winner just a great guy's son Pat started a church in, in the Detroit area but 
nevertheless, he just called me one day out of the blue, didn't really talk to him very often, and he just, he just, man, he was just so in tune with the Lord and just said, listen, um, I want to know how you're really doing. I want to know how you're really doing. And he just began to pray for me. I'm telling you, it's just like all this just stress and all this frustration and all this feelings of anxiety and being overwhelmed. He just began to minister to and seek. And he just was like, you have got to slow down. you got to stop. Sometimes I think in life, we just get into this, this mindset of we know something's missing. We know something's lacking. We know something's not in place. We know our spiritual life is not in order. We know our house is not in order. We know our physical life, our mental health, or whatever is just not where it needs to be. But we've just become so accustomed to that lacking in our life that we just, just, we just keep on going. What Jesus is telling us through this parable is, no, it's in those times where you've got to just stop, assess the situation, get, the, get, the, get back in the Word of God, get back to praying, take some time to sweep your house, get some things straightened out, and search diligently until you find that thing. Because I believe it's not the will of God for us to go through life unfulfilled, unwhole, broken, lacking, discouraged, depressed. Sometimes that means going out and getting some professional help, whatever it is, whatever it is that you need to do. But I believe it's the will of the Lord that we would be, we would be complete and, and fulfilled in life. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this, this service and this group of people tonight. God, I pray that we would not make that same assumption that these Pharisees made, that the only things that are lost are outside of the house or outside of the church. But, Lord, let us take a look at our own heart and our own condition to realize sometimes we've got to, we've got to slow down and stop and take inventory of our own our own, our own life. We've got to do some sweeping and some digging and some searching. Lord, I believe.